everybody. Welcome back to the Bet on Yourself podcast. Today, I have been reflecting on the last interview from last week's session with Kathleen Brightman, where we talk about her incredibly insane career journey and her experience as a founder. Now, while most of us probably, hopefully, have not experienced those same trials, I did find some common themes in there that come up a lot in my consulting work or in a lot of the themes across our newsletters or feedback I'm hearing from all of you. Um, And, you know, work isn't always perfect and we all have to deal with conflict. There's definitely been a lot of stress, especially in this pandemic time. And sometimes there are bad actors. So I thought that that was some of the things that Kathleen really shared with us in the the last podcast episode that I thought could resonate probably with all of us. These, um, while I've been very blessed to work with incredible companies for amazing executives, I absolutely have experienced all three of these things continuously. Um, Any career of ambition is going to have moments of conflict, stress, or experience with bad actors. So today's episode is going to be your first introduction to a new format. Today's actually the last podcast episode of season one of Bet on Yourself. And going forward, we're going to be pivoting a little bit into season two, where it'll be a lot more of me answering your questions and giving you some actionable advice, something you can take on in bite-sized pieces and make some meaningful changes in your work today. So this is the format that we'll probably use going forward, but I'd love to hear your feedback. We're just trying it out. So when thinking about dealing with conflict and stress and bad actors, the first question that comes to mind is that that big decision when you get to that point in your career when you're like, should I stay in this role or should I go? Those have definitely been the most stressful moments for me as well, because I want to make sure that I am in the best place and using my talents and experience in in the best environments. What I've always decided to stay for, even when my jobs were very stressful or um, when every single day didn't exactly feel like my dream day, I always stayed when three things were true. First is, am I being exposed to leadership that I want to emulate? Second, am I given project ownership that will accelerate my learning? And third, am I in a fast growing company or industry? Because these three indicators tell me that even if the days are long and stressful and I'm doing things that make me uncomfortable because I'm not doing it perfectly and I'm really being challenged, that's gonna give a lot back to me um, in meeting my goals. Now, times to leave, are if you feel like you are stagnant in your advancement there. Maybe it's a stagnant industry that's being disrupted or the culture of your company isn't as innovative and fast-paced as you would like. Or if there's a ceiling on your growth opportunities there. Honestly, this is why I left Google. I loved working there. It's literally rated the best place in America to work. But I left because I found a ceiling on my growth and I felt like I needed a challenge that could only come from leaving my safety zone and venturing out on my own. Now, another theme of when you might choose to leave your, a current role is if there's a culture of disrespect. If you feel like you're being dismissed, overlooked, or blatantly you know, abused in your environment, that's absolutely something we want to leave, even if you are learning a lot as a fast-paced industry, that just for me is not worth it. Life is far too short. So in making these big career decisions, it's often a battle of knowing what voices you want to listen to. Everyone around you is gonna have an opinion. And so we really have to set up a tribe of trusted advisors. And these people should understand you in a very particular way. First, I would have conversations with them about your values. What do you wanna contribute in the world? What do you want to learn across your career? 
What is meaningful work to you? Second is sharing with them your long-term career strategy. What types of growth you want to have, what pace, what industry, what titles, what accomplishments you, you want to accumulate as you go. And the third thing to share with them is they need to understand your growth path and ideally they're on a similar journey themselves because then they'll be able to give you better advice. And I think we really listen to the voices of those who are maybe just one or two steps ahead of us on a very similar trajectory. The voices to ignore, which is equally important, is if the people giving you advice feel threatened by a shift in the status quo. Maybe they feel threatened by you going out for a promotion or changing your focus or your balance in your life between work and home, or if they don't understand or value your trajectory. If they don't understand why you want to go back to school or uh, leave one industry and then venture out and start your own company, if they don't understand how that's connected to your individual values and goals, also an opinion that probably we don't have to take into account. And the third is if they aren't investing in your growth. If this is an opinion of someone who isn't there for you in the long run and really investing in connecting you with people, giving you opportunities, lifting you up, we can also let that opinion go. So if in your work right now, you're having to deal with difficult people or maybe some disrespect, I would focus on teaching people how to treat you. So the best way I found to do that is to start with a foundation of a relationship of trust. And this takes some time. So first, we just have to consistently show up, especially if someone is difficult to communicate with. Let's move out of that environment and build up some just common exposure to each other. Share your hobbies, your passions, your interests, and really be consistent. I once had a teammate who was very, very difficult for me. She found my joining our team to be threatening to her, and she took it really personally. And I, this was the first step I took. I just wanted to talk to her about her home life, her pets, her interests, her hobbies outside of work to, to really show that I wanted to invest in this relationship. And then as we moved on, then you really want to give some detailed examples of what specifically has not been acceptable in their behavior. So you want to sit down with them. I once had a manager, he, he wasn't my manager, but he, he really uh, was very, very stressed about something that had gone wrong on the team and he took it out on me. And both of us knew this problem had nothing to do with me. But when he was done venting, I said to him, I understand that today was very stressful and disappointing, and I'm glad that you feel safe enough to come and talk to me and kind of let down your guard. But next time this happens, X, Y, and Z of what just happened will not be acceptable. And that helped because it showed that I cared about him. I understood that he was human, and I did feel valued that I could offer a safe space to be a sounding board. But I also set the standard that this is not how you're going to be treating me or talking to me in the future. And then third, that cues you up for if that happens again, you speak up in that moment and say, if you'll remember our last conversation, this was specifically what's not acceptable. And so I'm going to step out now. So in that moment, it takes a lot of courage to be able to deal with that. And sometimes we can have moments of self-doubt or even feel some imposter syndrome. 
And I actually was listening to another podcast recently where a social scientist, she described this actually as imposter moments. And I literally had to pause the podcast and digest that, like really let that sit because it resonates with me. I think imposter syndrome, she explained, is a, it sounds like a diagnosis, like a permanent condition. But actually, all of us experience these moments that I don't know a single highly successful person or any, uh, anyone of ambition who, who doesn't have this. But to describe it as a moment is something that we can feel, acknowledge, and move on from. It doesn't diagnose a permanent state of being or condition from us. And I just found that idea very liberating. And then second, once you've really acknowledged that moment, you've felt it and you've moved on, for me, the, one of the most effective things to do to get my confidence back is to refresh my goals. I want to refocus in on my North Star, what I'm trying to accomplish, what I'm valuing, where I'm investing my time and resources. And then also I, at Google, I literally would label some of my emails with um, just the, uh, the title accomplishment. Uh, so that when I was having these moments of doubt of like, oh, am I any good at this or, or wanting to be inspired for next challenges I could take on, I could easily just sort my emails and search for that label. And I could see a list of some big wins that I had had. And that kind of gave me some renewed courage to take on a new accomplishment um, or big project. Uh, second is to really ask for regular feedback. Uh, this doesn't have to be any kind, anything formal. It doesn't have to be in your performance review time. But if you work with someone new on a project, really inviting that critique or inviting their opinions on how you're approaching your work, and then also sharing that as well. If you have ideas um, of things that might make the project go better or be better way to collaborate with each other, you can also reciprocate that back to them. What I found really interesting is it's actually unusual to get actionable feedback. Um, so a lot of people say, oh, you did really well on that project, but that doesn't help me replicate that in the future. So digging just one or two steps deeper will give you some specifics of things that you want to replicate uh, the next time. And equally important is getting the feedback for when things did not go well. What do you want to reinvest in? And can you get buy-in for your growth goals? So when you get this actionable feedback, people will feel naturally aligned with the path that you're on. They see your ambition, they understand that this is really important to you, that you're leaning into it. And so they become your natural advocates to kind of help you navigate this and um, they've got some buy-in into your direction. So if you're experiencing any of these dizzying pivots, if you have conflict or stress or maybe some of your teammates aren't handling COVID very well and have become bad actors in your life, hopefully some of these tips will give you a few steps you can take today to lighten that load. Goodness knows that this year has been hard enough. So if we can do anything to feel a semblance of control and positivity again, I think it's worth the effort. So until next time, go make a big bet on yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Bet on Yourself podcast. If you're like me, you have a lot of new insights and ideas of things you want to implement from this episode. Don't worry if you were listening to this while walking the dog or putting a baby to sleep or driving and didn't have hands free to take notes. We've done the hard work for you. Check out the show notes here in your podcast app or on my website, annhyatt.co, for additional resources. While you're there, you can also sign up for my newsletter, which always supplements these podcast themes with additional free resources. May I ask for a quick favor? Please click on that follow or subscribe button here in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode and give us a five-star rating. 
I'd love it if you'd also share this via your social media with your friends and tag me so that I can see what resonated with you, who you would like to hear on future episodes, and what topics are on your mind. We'll be back next week with even more content to support you in your big bets. I'll see you then.